Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface. Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook is with me. And so is the former West Ham Benfica, Chelsea and Charlton defender Scott Minto. We're live from East London in the orbit this week as we look forward to the return of the Premier League. Here's what's coming up on the show. I think this has now become the biggest game in English football. It's sort of beaten United against Liverpool. His father was in the crowd when he scored, as you say, those iconic goals against Brazil. So I think if you're, you're Jurgen Klopp, if you can, you put him straight into the team and you hope that that adrenaline, that emotion continues into the Premier League. It's no longer the big six. Some of the big six are joining forces with the lesser lights and some are forming new unions. It's uh, it's fascinating to see how this pans out. What we can say is that Saudi Arabia now have a lot of sway in Premier League board meetings. You look at Burnley and I don't think Vincent Company is going to be the first or even under pressure right now because he's got that sort of credit in the bank. But he should be... He should be under pressure. You know, one win all season. He's got to be looking at this game with those key players out at home to try and kickstart following an international break. It's going to be a bear pit. It's a really difficult fixture for Manchester United because I think the crowd and Sean Dyche will have spent the last week trying to create a siege mentality. I think Everton is very much that type of football club. And I think if United can come away with a positive result, I'd be maybe a little bit surprised. International football is finished until March and we can all get back into the Premier League, the rhythm of the Premier League and uh, all the associated domestic competitions. And it's a crucial period, isn't it? Absolutely. Those two England games were good, weren't they? Good advert for scrapping international breaks. So, yeah, looking forward to the return of the Premier League and a huge game to come back to. so disrespectful, isn't it? Bearing in mind those people there. Rico Lewis, I thought, was absolutely terrific in his first appearance for England. I thought Cole Palmer did very well as well. Um, And listen, they've already qualified. They've done the job. They're top of the group. They're in pot one. You can't ask for more than that, can you? Do you know what? Come the Euros. Yeah, he'll, he'll be on the bandwagon. He'll be absolutely on the bandwagon with, with his mates at Adidas, getting yeah, 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 loads yeah, yeah. of gear and, as, as he normally does. So. <laughs> yeah, get me in, get me in, please, fellas. <laughs> Other sports manufacturers are available. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not course. to you, obviously. <laughs> that means he hasn't signed the contract with them yet. So he's still plugging away. Still available, you never know. Right, let's get banging into uh, what is a huge weekend of Premier League football. And boy, does it return with an explosion of quality. Saturday lunchtime, 12.30. Only on TalkSport, it's Manchester City against Liverpool. Manchester City do lead the league, but they do by just one point. Behind them, in second position, is Liverpool. Back into Haaland! Oh, what a 
finish. Inevitable. If you finish above City, you, you win the league. Manchester City have won the title a third time in a row. This Man City team, all-round squad, is just sensational. Once they can see the finish line, somebody always steps up. Plays it back to Doku! Brilliant goal! I think it's probably between City, Liverpool and Arsenal. And I'll probably whittle that down to Liverpool. If Liverpool are at their best, they're the biggest threat. It is a stunning goal from Darwin Nunez. The last five years have been the biggest opponent, been an incredible and marvellous contender. Liverpool's 19th title. They are the Premier League champions. It's the most difficult game of the season in every season. Manchester City against Liverpool. You couldn't write it. And it's only here and we can't wait for it. It's a huge game, this, and these two have been rivals over the last few years, and they may well be rivals for the title again, Scott. I think this has now become the biggest game in English football. It's sort of beaten United against Liverpool. Can you concede that, Crookie, with a nod or a wink? Probably not in terms of global appeal, but in terms of what's at stake. In I'll terms give you that. Of, in terms of the Premier League, absolutely. And I think Liverpool have done really well. Jurgen Klopp, you know gutted out the midfield, lost some players, obviously, in the summer. He's brought some players in, not quite sure how they were going to go. And I think they've been pretty much superb considering. So where they are in the league, they're absolutely fighting for the title. It's just, it's another early kickoff on a Saturday that Jurgen Klopp doesn't like. But he's won them so far this season. They've done OK in them. And especially after international breaks, they beat Wolverhampton Wanderers after looking a little bit leggy in the first uh, few minutes of that, or first half of that game. Came out second half much better. They beat Everton in the Merseyside derby after an international break. And now they play Manchester City. So, I mean, look, the biggest issue they've got is, is players coming back from South America. And uh, the Brazil-Argentina game, which was delayed because of crowd violence late into the night, or oh, well, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, our time. So they're not going to train until Friday at least. But they're not the only ones with, with those problems. Arsenal have got those problems as well. And Chelsea have got one or two. Yeah, but they do have a, a decent contingent of South American players. So I think it's definitely going to be a factor uh, with the early kickoff. I fancy goals in this. We were at Stamford Bridge just before the international break. One of the best Premier League games I can remember for a long time. But defensively, they weren't great City. And I think it shows how important John Stones has become. That I think without him at the heart of their defence and stepping into midfield in that hybrid role, I think they do look a lot more vulnerable. I'm not convinced yet by Josco Guardiola. I think he is still finding his feet in English football. And obviously we know that Liverpool have had this habit dating back to last season of going behind in games and coming back to rescue it. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see a, a really high-scoring game here. Well, Ruben Diaz has always been important for them. I think he's only lost once, and that was the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers recently when he's played 90 minutes in the last 37 games that he's played for Manchester City. So he is a, he's a major uh, asset. Um, there is a little bit of an injury crisis at, at City. Edison Kovacic, Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri, Haaland, Ake, Nunes and John Stones were all questionable going into this fixture. Crook mentioned their defensive deficiencies. But Liverpool's defensive deficiencies away from home are also quite concerning. They've conceded the opening goal in seven of their nine away games this season so far. That's a bad habit to get into. Yeah, and conceding the opening goal last season was a, was a problem home or away. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't want to sort of make a joke of it, but that left back position is very important. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Get I, your boots on. No, well, not that desperate. But w- what I would say on a serious level is we, we've seen Pep Guardiola sort of almost put Bernardo Silva in that in that role. We've seen him play other players in that in that role. Well, Rico Lewis should be playing there Rico by Lewis what maybe we saw off, the other night. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's a very technical position. It does stretch the balance of the side if you haven't got a proper left back in there. So, look, I, I think City, I, th- I agree with Crookie against Chelsea, or I think going forward, look, look very, very good and, and st- just starting to click. Um, against another top side that we know, I think, will be very good going forward. I, again, I'm with Crookie. I, I don't like the fact that I'm agreeing with you so much, but I think there's going to be lots of goals in this. I think Jurgen Klopp's team selection is going to be very important because you mentioned about the, the travelling and, and the body clock being all over the place from the South Americans and you know, that Wolves game, they could easily have been 2-0 down, couldn't they? And I don't think they'd have come back from that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's so team selection, out, important. It's not just Brazil, Argentina. Uh, Colombia and Uruguay also played an hour before those two clashed on Wednesday morning. Uh, that means Alisson, Edison, McAllister, Diaz, Nunez all be in action. Uh, Luis Diaz obviously has had quite an emotional time as well. Do we think that now that that is all behind him and seeing what has happened during the international break with him scoring in that pivotal win over... Brazil, uh, that uh, we may end up seeing more of him on the football field now, sort of free of those those shackles that obviously have been dogging him emotionally. Yeah, I think you've got to tap into that. You know, you, you saw the emotion when he scored in that game uh, against Luton at that stage. I think we were only just hearing that his father had been released. His father was in the crowd when he scored, as you say, those iconic goals against Brazil. So I think if you're, you're Jurgen Klopp, if you can, you put him straight into the team and you hope that that adrenaline, that emotion continues into the Premier League. He's a really good player. We saw that at the start of his Liverpool reign. It's been a little bit derailed by injury, but I think if they can get him fully fit, I think he could have a massive say on what happens between now and the end of the season. Uh, talking of injuries, and I think we probably should touch on this, um, going into last weekend, we had 132 Premier League players that were unavailable because of injury. Um, how concerning is that? What do you put it down to? And if it's to do with the fact that we're playing a lot of games and probably too many games now, there's no way that they're ever going to subtract any of those. They're all only adding to them, Club World Cup, etc., etc. Do we need to carry bigger squads? Yes. I think the money is out there, certainly at Premier League level, to have big squads. I think managers know exactly what their schedule is ahead of the season and they have to manage the players. Look, sports science has been better than it's ever been. So, you know, back in our day, we, we... well, towards the end of my career, we just about had heart rate rate monitors in, in training. And it's so far it's come in, in a very short space of time. Diet even more so as well. And look, you know, you, you have about this sort of red zone. And if they're in that, then, then managers quite simply just have to look after their players. But at the same time, there were some injuries you can't justify for. And we're, we're coming into the sort of, you know, obviously winter time, it's going to be cold. You've got to make sure you keep warm all the time. It's very easy for the muscles to, to kind of seize up. You have to be very, very careful, but you're not going to get rid of them all. And look, there's a lot of money and the players are, are, are on a lot of money as well. So they can't stop moaning about too many games. It's mm. down to the managers to rotate the squad. Yeah, we almost had to do a bit of rotation ourselves because uh, Crook had a rather <laughs> arduous international break down in Cheltenham. <laughs> and uh, believe me, he now is in the red zone. He was sweating on the way up he here, was. the walk yeah. from Stratford and, and he as took well. A lift. <laughs> <laughs> Two days at Cheltenham. That, that is that is taxing. Yeah, as Alan Brazil will testify. It was almost a week ago, though. That's the worrying thing. <laughs> uh, on to the rest of Saturday now, starting with a huge game at St James's Park. Newcastle against Chelsea kicks off three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. 
And one of the big stories from the international break was that Newcastle will be able to sign players from clubs in Saudi Arabia or clubs that the PIF own in Saudi Arabia after an attempt, uh, an attempted hatchet job, really, by other clubs to stop Newcastle from benefiting from their multi-club ownership um, was uh, vetoed, really, basically by some of uh, uh, the unexpected now power brokers in the Premier League. The idea was is that some of the big clubs wanted to prevent those who had multi-ownership models from loaning players from their feeder clubs during the January transfer window. It was a temporary ban, but that didn't happen. Why? Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, The balance of power, I think, is shifting in the Premier League. I think it has shifted because you're right. Liverpool and Arsenal in particular, I'm told, were very vociferous uh, about the fact that clubs shouldn't be able to loan players from clubs under the same stable. So obviously they voted for the ban, you had the likes of Newcastle, Manchester City and Chelsea, I guess, was to be expected. Chelsea, particularly with their Saudi connection as well. But then you chuck in the likes of Wolverhampton Wanderers and Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United, Everton, maybe teams that historically haven't been able to have a big say on Premier League rule changes because it's been the big six against the rest. It's no longer the big six. Some of the big six are joining forces with the lesser lights and some are forming new unions. It's uh, it's fascinating to see how this pans out. What we can say is that Saudi Arabia now have a lot of sway in Premier League board meetings. Absolutely. And uh, but, uh, listen, whether you think that's right, wrong, or whether you think multi-club ownership is right or wrong, that is a separate discussion. I don't think it's a surprise that this... I mean, I know everyone seems to think that it was a surprise. I wasn't shocked. I'm not shocked at all, because why, why on earth would anybody who's got a multi-club ownership structure vote to ban this because that is the reason that you have it right I was actually the biggest surprise of the whole lot when I looked down the the voting list was that Brighton voted for it bearing in mind that they have been using loans between their feeder club Union Saint-Gilois and this I wonder whether they did it just to try and scupper Newcastle I think what you'll find there is though that when UEFA brought in their own regulations which meant that clubs in the same competitions could no longer Loan players between teams. I think Tony. Well, that's always been the case. I think Tony, but well, they, they strengthened it up yeah, this they summer. They strengthened it because of yeah, basically for this season in particular yeah, with did, Brighton. Yeah. I think yeah. Tony Bloom actually sold some of his shares. So I don't think he has quite as big a say in Union as maybe he did before. Interesting, okay. Manu as well. Obviously, with the perspective with Sir Jim Radcliffe and he, he sort of owns clubs, doesn't he? He's about to come in, but they still voted against. Well, him. they want to sign players from Nice. Absolutely, yeah. no question about that. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Newcastle, who then could get strengthened in the uh, summer by signing, well, Mares, um, Neves, um, Benzema, Benzema, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. <laughs> Sadio Mane, <laughs> whoever they like, really. To be I'm honest, with you. how was your bet with Jim going now? <laughs> You're starting to worry he, about. He that. was actually doing really well up until really now, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I, said to, I did say to him, they'll, 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 they'll bring in players in January. He went, oh, they've got no money. It turns out they don't need it. Um, <laughs> How will it impact? I mean, in all seriousness, we just listed a load of great players that are playing in Saudi Arabia. Is it likely they're going to loan some of those? Or I mean, Eddie Howe's always been quite cautious, hasn't he? Yeah, and I, th- I think they're still they're still worried with how they're perceived. I think Dan Ashworth wants to be seen to be conducting himself in the right way, both in terms of the rules but morally as well. It would be a surprise to me if they didn't take at least one player from Saudi in January. Not sure it'll be Ruben Neves, maybe Al Halal are keen to keep him, but Gabri Vega was a player who was very much in their sights in the summer, and it was a bit of a surprise, actually, at such a young age that he went to Saudi. So I'll keep an eye on that one. 
Dan Ashworth has, has, has said that you know we're not going to rule it out dipping in. I do think he needs to be careful. Newcastle needs to be careful of going too much into it because there could be a backlash. You know, I think there's another possible meeting and vote. Uh, you know, later on. So if they go too far. Obviously, with FFP... But that backlash well. is just the established clubs who, who are seeing themselves lose control. But all right? they need to do is convince... Is it one or two? Maybe two I think clubs. it was two in the end, yeah. Two in the end. Um, you know, we don't know what's happening with Everton and 777. Maybe they're looking for, for you know, someone like that who's going to come in and own clubs. Maybe they just don't like the Premier League right now as well, why they voted against them. But, look, I, I think you've got some very good players. From a footballing point of view... Newcastle need, they've got a lot of injuries. Well, they've got a huge amount of injuries and I did their game um, against Dortmund in Dortmund the other week and they, they, I mean, they looked out on their feet and then similarly when they went to Bournemouth uh, before the international break. Um, so they do need to get players back and if they can't get players back then they need to make sure they acquire some because they were playing, with all due respect to Lewis Miley, uh, a very young teenager in the centre of midfield in the last Premier League game. Chelsea, obviously, on the up in terms of performances and they'll fancy their chances, won't they, to get something from, from St James's Park because of the injuries more than anything else? I think so. Uh, I think if any team needed the international break, it probably was Newcastle. And obviously, we're recording this before Eddie Howe addresses the media on Friday, so we're not completely sure who, if any of those players that missed out for their countries, the likes of Callum Wilson, will be available. You'd imagine that Kieran Trippier, having withdrawn from the England squad for personal reasons, will play. And obviously he's quite a, a key man for them. But Chelsea on the up, I think that's fair. When you look at the fact they've beaten Tottenham and, and held Manchester City, I still think they're far from the finished article. And I still think St James's Park is a is a very difficult place to go. You look at the the, the, the way they beat Arsenal before that Bournemouth game. I think this will be tight. And if Newcastle can get some players back, I've not seen quite enough from Chelsea yet to put them down for the win. Nkunku could be back for Chelsea in the not-too-distant future. How key will that be? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not quite sure at the moment where where he'll fit in because Conor Gallagher's playing really well. Uh, Cole Palmer's playing really well. Raheem Sterling's playing really well. Even my mate Nicholas Jackson is scoring goals now as well. So in terms Don't of... tell producer Jeremy. I know. He's, he's sat over there laughing as I, as I mentioned him there. But the sign of a good team is looking at the bench. You know, when things aren't going well in the game, can you bring on game changers? And the likes of Nkunku being on the bench or Nicholas Jackson, whatever it would be, um, I, I think is good for, for Chelsea. And you say more than any of the injuries of Newcastle that, that Chelsea would feel confident. I've seen good performances this yeah. season and I've been the, almost in the minority saying, look, I've seen potential here. Give them time. Now it looks like results and performances are getting even better. I think that plus the in injuries going to St. James's Park, the fans from Newcastle's point of view will be more important than ever because I think Chelsea can get at least a draw here. I'll take you back to the podcast just before the Manchester City game when uh, someone suggested that they were going to get a draw out of it. Can you remember who it was? Can you remember? Didn't they score a 98th minute equaliser or something? 95th. Um, <laughs> they had the lead they in that they, game as they well. Run it, they ran it close. It was a great game. Uh, we were lucky enough to be there. Uh, Burnley against West Ham is live on Talk Sport 2 this Saturday at 3 o'clock. No Premier League manager has been sacked yet. There were seven managerial changes by the time we got to this stage last season. Do you think that Vincent Company might be the first? I think he should be under pressure uh, because at the moment Burnley have made no impact in stepping up to the Premier League. There's an argument to be made that they look the worst of the three. And when you look at the fact that Sheffield United had to sell two key players, Luton only spent £17 million, and Burnley actually hit the transfer market quite hard. Obviously, they've lost Foster uh, for reasons beyond their control, and I think we should praise Burnley for the way they've handled that situation. That mm. can be a, um, a lesson for a lot of clubs going forward. But I think they've got a chance, Burnley, 
this weekend. Jarrod Bowen won't play. He's got to see a specialist after picking up a knee injury on England duty. Antonio's knee problem, we're told, is not as bad as maybe they first feared. But he won't play either. And they look a completely different team, West Ham, when Antonio isn't there leading the line up front. David Moyes hasn't yet found a solution to solve that particular problem. So I think if Burnley are going to get a victory... This is as good a chance as any with those two key absentees. You know, you know where we are right yeah, now as well. We're, so we're right careful, next to the Christine, stadium. We can yeah. see that we can actually see the pitch if we look over our shoulder here. We're almost outside uh, the the London Stadium and your old club, of course. Uh, have they become a bit of a cup side now, though? Because they they seem to just pick up these victories when they desperately need yeah. them. Yeah, and and the Forest game, I was I was here for that one. Um, fair play to them to come back from two one down. You know, under a bit of pressure with the from the fans, and they found a way to win. You know, I, I agree in terms of the Mikel Antonio, but it actually hasn't been brilliant for some time. Jared Bowen isn't the striker. He's the one who's been going in there. And then you're missing Jared Bowen out wide. So it I just think upsets the balance. It does, it, absolutely. And I think they are two key players. And you look at Burnley, and I don't think Vincent Company is going to be the first or even under pressure right now because he's got that sort of credit in the bank. But he should be. He should be under pressure. You know, one win all season. He's got to be looking at this game with those key players out at home to try and kickstart following an international break. But a bit like Eric Hag at Manchester United, is it very difficult for Burnley to change or think about changing the head coach, bearing in mind that they've put so much stock by his recruitment policy? Probably, yeah. If, if you look at the players they signed in the summer, they've all got the company hallmark of us, the players that he knows from Belgium. The young goalkeeper who has an awful lot of work to do every game. So you'd almost have to completely rip up that blueprint. I don't think the Burnley fans are calling for that because they really enjoyed the football that they were treated to last season. I think they think they're they're a bit naive this season, though. I think that's fair. But if they go down, would you back Vincent Company to bring them back up again? You probably would. It's, it's amazing football, isn't it? How the highs and lows of so quick, you know, not that long ago, he was touted as a possible Tottenham manager and people were saying, well, maybe he should go now. Is, are we talk, we're talking about him, whether he's going to get the sack or not? Look, I just think you can have a certain group of players wanting to play a certain way, but you don't have to go all out the other way. You don't have to get rid of the manager. You don't have to get rid of loads of players. You can still ask the players to tweak what they've been doing and not be so naive defensively. We about know that teams are going to press. in terms of coaching. Is absolutely. That, what you're talking about? that absolutely. And I'm all for having principles and trying to play. You know what I think about Pep Guardiola, but Burnley players are not Man City players. And to ask them to play out from the back in the way that City do, very difficult thing to do. One of them was, and that's James Trafford. He was uh, a Manchester City goalkeeper. He arrived with much fanfare. What have you made of his performances so far this season? He's in a, in a team that concedes a lot of shots, a lot of chances. And he comes under a lot of scrutiny as a result of that. I mean, he's still a very young goalkeeper. Well, I've only seen him in the flesh once, and that was against Arsenal. And he made two top-class saves in that game. And then I thought he was really poor for the goal that Saliba scored from the corner. Literally, Saliba just stood in front of the goalkeeper, out-jumped him. And it was, it was after that, it was obvious that Arsenal were targeting him on set pieces. I, I would compare him to Gavin Bazunu, and the, com- the comparisons are obvious because he's come from the same club. Like Bazunu, he'd not played at a high level before he went for big money to Southampton. Bazunu now is playing quite well for Southampton in the Championship because I think he's found his feet. It's very difficult for a young goalkeeper to go from League One to the Premier League in a side that doesn't defend very well. You become a target, shooting practice for the opposition very quickly. That confidence ebbs away, and I think there's certainly cases that with Trafford. Well, he's quite lucky in the sense that he is quite a confident character and he manages himself quite well. But also physically, 
he's still in his sort of developmental stage. He's, he's going to get bigger, broader and stronger, isn't he, over time? Just like Crookie. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, what two days in Cheltenham will do for you. <laughs> Look, Maybe you should come with me next year. <laughs> 20 pints of Guinness, it'll be fine on set pieces. <laughs> Look, we, we talk about him being a City player, and obviously contractually he was, but he was a League One player last season. And, yeah. and I did say last season... That's a big jump to be to go into the Premier. I thought a Championship club would be good for him. Now I don't blame him at all signing for Burnley after the season they had and becoming a Premier League player. But he is learning all the time. You could almost also say like Aaron Ramsdale, of course. He had a couple of seasons, didn't he, where you know was really struggling when he was on loans at clubs, yeah. or say he was struggling. The teams he was playing for goes to Arsenal, does really well. It's almost one of those sort of three seasons in one. He's growing up very, very fast. But for Burnley's point of view, he and his defence. And the tactics generally need to be tweaked, if not changed. Uh, yep. OK, that's uh, Burnley against West Ham. It's live on TalkSport 2 on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Let's move on to Sunday now. Two huge games, including one at Goodison Park. Well, there'll be a big reaction to a points deduction that was issued in the international break. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Everton against Manchester United is probably the highlight of Sunday's offerings. And it'd be interesting to see what the reaction is going to be at Goodison Park, where it galvanises the crowd uh, there. Manchester United actually got a reasonable record there. Three of their last four visits have ended in victory in all competitions. But I think you'd be a little bit worried when you're going there this weekend because it'll be hostile and, and they'll make their point. It's going to be a bear pit. It's a really difficult fixture for Manchester United because I think the crowd and Sean Dyche will have spent the last week, trying to create a siege mentality. I think Everton is very much that type of football club. And I think if United can come away with a positive result, I'd be maybe a little bit surprised. But we haven't spoken about the points deduction. I think it's harsh. Ten points for one breach. I think we did a podcast on it on Sunday, obviously, Scott and I and, and Kevin Campbell. Um, and our theory from it was that if that is what is issued, then there are other clubs that should yeah. be incredibly concerned. Agreed. I still think it's going to take a long time for this Manchester City case to reach a resolution because there's so many more charges, there's so much more paperwork to try and sift through so much evidence, if you like, to try and work their way through. But when it comes to Everton, I think they've used them as an example. 
Uh, a, to deter other football clubs. B, because they're trying to prove to the government the Premier League don't need a regulator. They're capable of regulating themselves. I think Everton will win their appeal and I think the points penalty yeah. will come down. Do you? I do. Why? Um, because I think it's harsh. I think it is unjust. And I, I think... Um, oh, on what metric? Sorry, I, I just explain to you why you think it's... What the reason is behind that. Because the legal experts that I've spoken to suggest that the only way that they can put, get an appeal is because they feel that the penalty is harsh. But the penalty is for, isn't it two points for each of the year that they've benefited? But they're, they're claiming they haven't benefited on the pitch because actually the money... Because they're so bad at it. That's, actually, they're, <laughs> that's the, it's not but the, they didn't spend the money. But the overspend has gone on the stadium and obviously there's an issue over well, interest payments and the way that they've been accounted for. They'll also point to the pandemic. They'll point to Ushmanov, who was a donor and obviously was prevented from putting money into the club. So I think they've got a case. I'm not saying it will get scrapped entirely, but I think it will come down. Even if it doesn't, by the way, Minus 10 points, they'll still stay still up. Stay up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they'll still stay Providing up. Providing they don't get another points deduction from administration, uh, listen, my, 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 clubs uh, We, we had a big discussion about it. We all feel it's harsh. We all feel it's really... What, what I feel is really harsh is the idea that there could be double punishment. And that's something that Scott and I really sort of went into on, on Sundays. Well, podcast. I've spoken to one of the clubs who, in theory, could have sued them, could have benefited financially... They're not going to do that. They don't feel they do have a strong enough case. Yeah, but, so, yeah, but there's only one club that does that have out. that, and that's Leicester City. If Leicester City decides to pursue the claim, then there's big trouble because Leicester City do have a legitimate claim. Whereas the other clubs, I don't think, if you look at the points totals, could could say, actually, you know, we would have stayed up if Everton didn't do this or that. It wasn't Everton's fault that Southampton hired Nathan exactly. Jones and Ruben Sellers in the exactly. same season. No, Southampton don't have a leg to stand on. But I, I, I agree. I think it's harsh. Um, whether it will be changed or not, I think we've seen enough from Everton, even before this 10-point deduction. Well. I thought this would be a really difficult game for United, coming off the back of an international weekend. You know, they beat Palace. They were perhaps unfortunate against Liverpool. Uh, got a very good win in the cup against Burnley. Um, I, saw, I saw them here. They were superb. They were really well organised defensively. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored a fantastic goal, really good finish. And I think Sean Dyche, it was almost as if he's told them beforehand, look, we're going to get the points deduction. Let's crack on now, shall we? They've been doing that. So that atmosphere at that game, I don't fancy United at all. I've got to be no, honest with you. I don't. Um, I think Everton will get all three points in this game. Um, and that will be a bit of a problem for Eric Ten Hag, won't it? Well, it'll be a big step backwards. Top of the form table as we go into this uh, <laughs> this round of fixtures. Just, 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 they, just reiterate so are they, that. Are they the worst informed Premier League team in Premier League <laughs> history? Do you know what they are? They're the best advert for... Saying that statistics are nonsense. Rubbish. That's yeah. what they are. Because they've got a tricky run coming up as well. Because after this Everton game, they're fighting for their Champions League life in Istanbul against Galatasaray. Newcastle away after that. And then they welcome informed Chelsea to Old Trafford. Which, which end are you going to be sat in for that game? The press interest. box, as oh, always. Okay. Yeah. You're not using your season ticket that night. <laughs> are you surprised you're not using it? <laughs> his, his heart is blue. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. It's not mine. It's the kids. Yeah. Move on. Um, <laughs> how many points are they going to get from those games? Tough games. You know, Newcastle last season gave United a bit of a lesson. Um, Chelsea have always been a problem coming to Old Trafford. Even when he played in a rubbish Chelsea team, <laughs> they still used to pick Johnny up points Spencer, at Old Trafford. Gavin Peacock. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember um, Luca and Dubes scoring two. Michael Dubry, we won 2-1. Yeah, difficult run of games. And, and that Galatasaray game is huge, isn't it, as well, as you say. So, tough when you say you remember those games, is that because you used to travel up from uh, Waterlooville? Or... <laughs> He's trying to get his own Was, now, was he, he born in Surrey? Yeah, ex-Selford. Yeah. Ex-Selford. <laughs> born in Salford. He told, do you know what he told me for many years? He actually barefaced lied for me and said to me he was born in Salford. 
for years. For years, he told me that. And then we went away somewhere once. I looked at his passport, went, you don't burn yourself. And he went, oh, I can't believe you, I can't believe you fell for that. Should we move on now? <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, uh, Manchester United, they do need to start putting results, or they have to keep putting results on the ball because they can't afford to go out of the, the Champions League or Europe at this stage, I don't think. Uh, bearing in mind, with the takeover about to happen and Jim Radcliffe coming in, any sort of dip in results now would prove difficult for Eric Hag to survive. I've heard a few United fans suggesting that if they're not in a position to qualify into the lockout stage of the Champions League, they'd rather finish bottom of the group than go into the Europa League. I don't agree with that. No. I think, A, the Europa League now has become a really good competition. You get some really good sides it in It always there. was, mate. It you took, just always used to just 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 rubbish. Not it just because, me. It took a long time. It. it took a long time for English football fans to warm to the competition. Let's be honest. But I think they have now. Obviously, um, you try telling Fulham fans that Middlesbrough fans. Yeah. Success for Manchester United under Jose Mourinho maybe changed their perception of it, and it's a route into the Champions League. And let's be honest. At this moment in time, winning the Europa League is probably United's best yeah. chance of getting into the Champions League. I, I think. I think it's got nothing to do with the fact that English clubs have taken a long time to come around with it. I think it's just a bit like the Premier League. The balance of power is shifting and the other clubs are having an influence now as well. So it's good for, like, you know, your, your West Ham excelling in that competition. Aston Villa in the conference. They, all these competitions actually matter. And I think if you get to the final of a trophy, I mean, I mean, I know you used to laugh, you used to scoff about the fact when they won the League Cup. We don't care about the League Cup. Now, obviously, they care about every trophy. Well, it, times are changing. About every trophy. That's not true. That true. When you beat Wigan, you, what did you call it? It's beating Wigan. David Connolly played for Wigan. It doesn't matter. It's a trophy, isn't it? Is he still the little ball genius, by the way? We know he's not little anymore. I'm still Ten Hag in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good, because um, that probably will have to be the case, bearing in mind the amount of money that he's spent. Um, let's talk about Spurs against Aston Villa. Ange Postacoglu has suffered back-to-back -back defeats now. Dramatic game uh, away at Wolverhampton Wanderers. was there for that one. It was a, a terrific end to the match. Um, but uh, Aston Villa are a tough side. I mean, a little bit easier to negotiate away yes. from home than they are at Villa Park. But Spurs, you know, they're in a situation where they need to uh, be a little bit careful that they don't fall off the pace. Well, look, it's been a wonderful start for Spurs of that, there's no doubt. And, you know, I was there at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the Chelsea game. And even though there were kamikaze tactics, the fans were 100% behind them. They because, were right to the end. Absolutely, because they, 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 they love what they're seeing. And you can say that they were unlucky to lose to Wolves, but, you know, you play to the whistle. They were 1-0 up going into to injury time. So if they'd have seen the game out, but they didn't. So there's question marks now. And the, with the likes of Madison being out and Van der Ven being out, I think they are two really key players. That high line, I think Romero's still out as well, isn't he, with the suspension? Yeah, he's um, got three games. So you've got two cent both your centre-halves and your playmaker out. If this was at Villa Park, I'd be all over Villa all day long. But... The atmosphere, as I say, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is sensational at the moment. I've been there a couple of times this season and they might help drag them through. But Ollie Watkins will be licking his lips because Ange is not going to change his style. I think he should, but he's not going to. Didn't have a great night, did he, Watkins, in um, North Macedonia, to be honest. It was an opportunity for him to, to really stake a claim to be plan B. I don't think anyone played Harry well Kane. and you can certainly argue he didn't necessarily get the service or he did have very, you know, one very good chance. I think him like Trent, it's almost like you need to be absolutely smashing it in every England game to yeah. say, I'm the one and it didn't happen, which then might be, I'm back home, I'm back in the Villa shirt, I'm going to be up for this one, especially if they do play that high line. He does score in rashes, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. Do you know what? It's a big problem for 
fantasy league managers this week. You obviously keep Watkins, but Bowen's probably not going to be fit. I've got Hoyland in my team, ridiculously. Is he going to be fit? Has he scored a Premier League goal yet? No, he still has. <laughs> but he's still in my team. I'm a loyalist. Is Haaland going to be fit? Yeah. There's a lot well, of question yeah, marks. I, I, well, the initial noises coming out of um, the Norwegian camp was that he would be fine for this game. And I think one of the reasons that they yeah. sort of let him off that final game against Scotland was because, you know, they, he wanted to make sure that he's it's ready a for big the big Liverpool game. So I would be a little bit surprised if he wasn't involved this weekend. Um, Spurs could get themselves into a little bit of bother, couldn't they? Because we noticed this week that they were caught up in a scandal involving uh, a move for Jermaine Defoe when he came back from Portsmouth. I mean, it's a long time ago 2008. now, 2008. The FA knew about it, didn't do any sort of punishment for them, but at the same time had punished other clubs. It, Luton, for example, at that time were punished. Are they going to go back and open up another can of worms? And how many of these cans of worms are we going to open? Well, Scott and I talked about the lost decade of English football. We could end up going back over 15 years and, and, changing, and rewriting history. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's right, by the way. I mean, particularly if you're going to punish Portsmouth now we would argue they've been punished enough for their financial irregularities they're down in league one top of the table if you just, there needs to be a statute of limitations I think there should be like like you over have and obviously that's you know worked to Manchester City's advantage when they were when they were caught up in a FFP issue with UEFA I don't think you can be going back 15 years brilliant journalism from Matt Lawton in the times but I think you need to close the book on that I agree I mean you know we, again, we talked about that sort of lost decade or lost decade and a half, what yeah. it could be. How far do you go back? And then, as you say, can worms, how many of those are around? You would be rewriting history. Look, I, I feel for Luton because they were docked 10 points at the same time. I think Spurs finished three points above City in that year as well, although City have done pretty well since then, I think it's fair to say. Even all right. I think there comes a point where you turn around and say, actually, let's let's leave it now and from here on in. We crack on. But then you've got the Chelsea and Manchester City ones, which go back years as well. So if you're going to do it for that, why can't you do it for this one? And the rule book's got to catch up, right? Because the, the, at the moment with the double jeopardy that clubs can then sue and therefore um, if, if, if they feel they're due compensation, that needs to be changed so that there's one punishment rather than two. I think they need to have almost like a truth and reconciliation period where they all sit down and you know, put their cards on the table. This is what we've done. This is what you could find. From here on in, let's be transparent and ensure that we're, we're moving forward in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Luton would feel aggrieved because of what happened to them that year. I mean, there's a, there's a banner up at Kenilworth Road, as we know, reminding the FA of what they did to them. Because ultimately, if you do start sanctioning your football clubs, it's not the people who are running the football clubs who get punished. Yes, they might get hit in the it's, pocket. It's, it's, it's the, the supporters. It's like the Everton fans. The Everton fans have been through the mill for God knows how long. And now they're in a situation where you know, there's so much uncertainty around that football club. They could have a really bright future with Bramley Moore Dock coming together. And it the looks stadium looks sensational, amazing. by the way. It really but, does. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm with you, by the way, 100% on that. If, if you say the 15 years is too far back, what about the Manchester City charges that do go back to, to a similar time and, and later as well? Well, I think now you've started that process, you've got to finish that process, especially seeing as you've now dot points off of Everton but there needs to be almost a, a sort of line in the sand did, after this and saying right okay we've, we've decided to do this but let's now think about how we move forward positively because otherwise you're going to get yourself into a situation where you know, the outcomes of all of the 
the, even the current competitions are going to have an asterisk next to them, suggesting that we don't really know who should have won and who has won. And I think the most sinister aspect of this Defoe situation is why the FA have brushed it under the carpet for so long, why they didn't apply their own rules. And Matt was saying that they are willing to, to, to look at it, but they can't find the documents. I was listening to the White and Jordan show. You know, they can't find the documents. Well, Maybe in the dog. <laughs> I, would, I, I can imagine that there probably isn't too much documentation. It's probably some old fax machine. Doesn't fax paper sort of fade after <laughs> after ten years? Isn't that true? And that used to be like, like the rumor. Sure, been through the I shredder, the shredder <laughs> machine. After a decade, it's got invisible ink after a decade. Um, Brentford against uh, Arsenal is another fixture that we haven't mentioned yet. We should mention it for this reason and this reason alone. Aaron Ramsdale plays because David Raya is ineligible. Yeah, but how much pressure is, is that guy under now? Um, knowing, actually, Mikel Arteta has already gone away from what he said, that he didn't have a number one, that they'd be picked on merit. That clearly isn't the case. If he makes any kind of mistake in this game, it's going to be scrutinised to the nth degree. Obviously, maybe not helped by what his dad has come out and said on that po- podcast. I feel sorry for Aaron Ramsdale this weekend because, let's be honest, Arsenal should beat Brentford. If they do, nobody will bat an eyelid. If they don't, and Ramsdale's at all capable... He's going to get the blame. Have you spoken to Ramos? You played golf with him recently? No, on that? I haven't. Oh, did you go to Cheltenham Portugal, with you? you? That's why. Did he go to Cheltenham with you now? He didn't, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, his old man didn't help, but you know, I can only imagine what it's like being a father and seeing your son like that. Is, I, is that true, Scott? Did his old man really not help? Or yeah. has his old man actually put up a red flag saying, come and get me? Well, if he's, if he's wanting to get out, absolutely. But I he still has to get out. But I, absolutely, but I, I still... Personally, would be embarrassed if my dad has gone public. I'd be saying, Dad, shut up. And, I'll, you know, let my agent do what he needs to do in terms of trying to get me out. That's just my personal thing. I, I, I wouldn't do that. But he does need to get out. And it's interesting. I don't know if he's had a conversation with Gareth, Gareth Southgate, because if he's not playing from here on into the end of the season, oh, he does he even get into the squad? Well, he would definitely have had a conversation. Absolutely. Calvin Phillips. Jordan Henderson. No, no, no. In the public. No, absolutely. We know that Gareth does look after the players that he trusts, but he would have had that conversation. It'll take Ramsdale because of his. He impact. will absolutely take Ramsdale. But Ramsdale was close to Jordan Pickford about, you know, or getting closer. He's a million miles from him now. Uh, Crook, Crook, you're falling down that, that usual trap of, uh, of telling us who should be in the squad, but doesn't tell us ever who can replace those two players in the squad, which is what Gareth's problem is. The fact that we're not producing the, the players that play in that position. The good news was, I thought, is that Rico Lewis did a very good job moving from left back into midfield to supplement the numbers, which might help going forward. Um, elsewhere this weekend, Game Day Live kicks off at 2 30 as Adrian takes you round the grounds. A Burnley against West Ham is live on Talksport 2 and only on Talksport 2 this Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. 12.30 though, we start with Manchester City against Liverpool. We're really looking forward to that. Reshman uh, will be alongside me. Uh, we've got Stuart Pearce and former Liverpool striker Dean Saunders as well. And then the Sunday session will be round the grounds, including that big Everton Manchester United game as well. And then on Monday Night Football, it's Fulham against Wolves. A massive week, as always, of Premier League action and more on the TalkSport Network. Make sure you join us. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.